We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The available AKG 36 speaker sound system in the Cadillac Escalade provides 360 degree sound. So you hear studio sound on the road. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade never stop arriving. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is Derek C. Apollo with former Los Angeles Rams defensive back Michael Stewart checking in with our Sunday show. But let's be honest, it's not Sunday for us. We're recording this a day early, the first day of training camp. I'm looking at Michael right now, and Michael is wearing the Legends Community shirt. He's got all the gear. It's pretty clear somebody went camping today. Is that true? No. Oh! But, uh, I feel like I went camping. Oh. And I am so high right now because they're actually having the legend weekend right now. So I'm in. Sp- 
spirit, I am in the house. You faked me out, man. I thought for sure you were there. I, I, I want. I should have asked you before the show started. But I figured we we play the game and see if I was right. And uh, man, I crashed and burned on that one. I was totally wrong. Are you going tomorrow? Well, you know the thing is, uh, you know we got a lot of stuff to do at, at church. So I'm. I, I just emailed everybody to let them know that uh, me and my lovely wife we're, we're going to miss out on this year. You know, we start ball on Monday. So they got two events on Monday and then a follow-up on Tuesday. So it just ended up being not a good week in for us. Not a good weekend, but I'm, you know, you, you always seem to find a way to make it out there. I'm sure you're going to peek in here any day now and make some magic happen. Yeah, it was something. We'll, we'll work out something, absolutely. Something, something, something. All right, folks. So, hey, it is about that time. It's camp day. Right now, as we speak, the Rams Uncentered Training Camp Pool Party. This is where they got all the folks from social media out there to California to Tommy's Pool. And they are having a blast. I've seen some pictures of the setup. Looks pretty sweet. You know it's time. You know it's time. But if you didn't get a chance to go to the party, it's all right. It's okay. You can still get the shirt. It's for sale. Reach out to Ram Tommy in L.A., that's Tommy Yvonne, so hook you right up. It's a pretty decent shirt for the price, and you'll help support Rams and Censor and our entire team here. Also, Dom, Dom Samara, we've really seen some, we've seen the donations kind of go down. Hey, I need, we need your help, guys. He is, he's got his appointment in D.C., not D.C., in Washington State, and it's an opportunity for him, but we're a little short of the goal. Please help us out. I'll have the fundraiser up in the show notes when this posts on Sunday night. And we really could use some help on this one. It would mean a lot to us. We're trying to get this guy. We're trying to save his life, basically. We're trying to save this man's life and give him a chance to fulfill his dreams with the time he has left on this earth. And hopefully it's a, while, a long while. It's a long while. All right. So today's show is the defensive line preview. Plus, later on, we'll talk to Garrett Sissy from the lightning round to talk about the Los Angeles Chargers. Boo. But, like I said, it is defensive lineman today. Mike? I'll give you ask for the broad stroke here first. How are you feeling about the defensive line this year, especially with Ndamukong Sue gone off the Tampa Bay? Well, the, the great thing is about this D-line is you got a lot of familiar faces, so I believe they're going to pick up right where they left off. I think they may even gain some things because when you have a big stud like Ndamukong Sue, you may be trying to structure defenses just for his strengths and different things like that and him being a veteran just being here almost on a one-year rental if you will uh you just never know how those dynamics in the room seem like he he bought into everything that was going on but man i'm excited to see uh what big uh ad aaron donald's gonna do with a full uh summer offseason camp and hitting things in stride right off the top you know, when I was preparing this preview, I was really intrigued to see John, uh, Sebastian Joseph Days, his interview he did. And then he mentioned spending the summer working out with none other than Duncan Sue and Aaron Donald. And that he spent a lot of last year picking up all kinds of different things from Sue. Because what people don't realize is how intelligent of a football player Ndamukong Sue is. We spent a lot of time focusing on how quote-unquote dirty he is and... You know, all those little things that seem to have fallen him over the years. People forget how smart Sue is. And so if, yes. if, if Joseph Day picked up a lot from him, and we've been hearing lots of good things all offseason from, you know, about him and a lot of these other guys as well, then I think we'll be all right. I think we'll be all right. But let's break down these guys. And 
First things first, the first one on the list, of course, is Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald last year just dominates the entire league in the middle. I was a little surprised how dominant he was, considering he didn't feel like he got a whole lot of help at times from the rest of the, of the defensive line. This year, like you mentioned, you could argue he has more help, but with Sue Gunn, you could also argue he's going to have less help. How are you feeling about the possibilities of, of Aaron Donald actually progressing from last year to this year? Well, again, the great thing is I think – and a big big advantage is, you know, Aaron's been there the whole offseason and he's been here all camp. So you you just have a consistency and a steadiness. So I think that's going to pay. Well, I don't think it's going to pay big dividends and what's going to happen throughout the season. So I'm very confident that he's going to start out like gangbusters and he's just going to continue to improve and do what he does. Well, I, I think it's going to be one of those cases where we'll find out real quick how this defensive line is without suing the lineup because we're going to see how teams respond to his new battery mate there, which is going to be Greg Gaines, probably in combination with Sebastian Joseph Day and a little bit of Michael Brockers. I think they're going to be moving those guys around a lot in there. It'd be really interesting seeing how he does. If it's Gaines, and we'll get to him in a minute, then that's going to be interesting because Gaines was known in college for being the guy that will take up two dudes and enable his battery mates next to him to get the pressures on. If that's how things go down in L.A., Donaldson for a big year. He's in for a huge year. Well, you got to remember, we got a guy named Clay Matthews that's on the team who's actually, he's had his hand down in the ground as well. So when you're talking about changing up some coverages, it wouldn't surprise me if I see, you know, Clay coming in and, you know, certain defenses, him coming off the edge or putting his hand in the dirt. So I agree. There's going to be a lot of interchangeable parts. I think there's going to be a lot of uh, scheme, new scheme twist, if you will. And so that's what's going to be real exciting to see. And as you said, we'll, we'll know pretty quick on how things are gelling. So speaking of the rest of the line here, the guys you want to talk about are pretty much all young here, except for Michael Brockers. Michael Brockers is a contract year. He has been, to me, a guy who... It's almost Jekyll and Hyde because when he was drafted, he was expected to be the guy in the middle. He's expected to be the guy who is a major disruptor against the run and to maybe develop some of a pass rush. In a lot of ways, he's done that, but he's also the person who gets picked on a little bit for not having developed more than what we thought he would. Like, he should have been more of an impact maker in a game. What is your assessment of Michael Brockers overall, not just for over the years, but now that he's entering a contract season? The great thing about a contract season is there's always a little bit, as much as guys say it's just another year, there's always a little bit more incentive incentive for you to just play consistent, steady, and at a high level. Because the hope is I can stay here and get paid. However, if I play great enough, well enough, someone out there is going to pay me what I feel will be my market value. So that will take care of itself in play. As far as just overall, yeah, I agree. You know, you get to Jekyll and Hyde, but again, uh, we're not in the meeting rooms. We don't know how they're really trying to scheme up things. And so if you're a guy, they're telling you you're going to be playing 75% of the snaps based on the game plan and then something goes 
awful or the game plan changes because of what the offense starts to do to the defense and then your 75% ends up being only 25 because of the dictation of what the offense ends up doing, then you're going like, man, well, what was this? It was a ways of practice. They probably shouldn't even suited me. So I think the fact that, again, one advantage, I believe, with Sue not being here, it should allow someone like him to be his true self and play at a high level. And it's a little weird, too, because Brockers, I think, does take some heat for quote-unquote disappearing games. Well, he disappeared in a certain playoff game two years ago almost against the Falcons. That disappearance was an injury. And the Falcons turned up their running game and ran all over that Rams defense. So if we ever wonder how valuable he is to that defense, what's it like when he's not there? Sometimes it's not about the actual numbers. It's a little more. Well, absolutely. You know, you said it earlier that, you know, Sue was taking up, bringing some attention to himself, taking a little bit more off Aaron. So you figure a guy like Brockers, I just remember seeing that guy last year at camp. I go, that is a big human being. And so (laughs) I would love to have a guy that's on my defense playing in front of me from a safety perspective and go, we're going to be okay today. You think he'll be better this year. You think he'll show some things that he hasn't had a chance to show before because of personnel. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt, because of personnel, personnel groupings, things like that, or the fact that you may not have as maybe a dominant presence as Sue probably was as far as leadership in the locker room, and maybe he steps now into that role of feeling like he can help lead the defensive line. It's really interesting talking about that, though, given the contracts are coming up. This is probably Michael's last year here, unless something really changes, unless he decides he wants to stay a little bit of a discount, or unless he performs at a certain level where the Rams change their plans. I don't foresee him actually re-signing, and it's not because you wouldn't want him, it's just that there are so many other players. Jared Goff's contract coming up, he's going to be a $35 million guy probably, and the expenses change somewhere. So it'll be interesting to see how he performs this year, knowing... I mean, he has to know the odds probably aren't good that the Rams are going to resign him next year. So he, you're right; he, he's playing for he's playing for a future deal somewhere. He's playing to go somewhere, or maybe maybe rework his way into the Rams' plans if that's what he wants. It's very interesting. To me. Yeah, yeah, and and again, this is where you know the guys like Les Snead and the rest of the management team, you know, Mister Demoff and all those guys get together. And they're able to see, well, can we restructure this deal right now? Do we wait to the end of the year and and get Jarrett and see what else kind of plays out and then see what we can do? But, yeah, the, there's some high stakes. But for a guy like Brockers, best thing for him to do is just go out there and ball out. And that's what I think he'll do. I think he'll be a more a bigger presence. There we go. I was going somewhere different. A bigger presence this year than he has been in the past. Morgan Fox coming off major injury. It was a brutal injury to his, I believe, ACL. Missed the entire year last year. Did a solid job as a as a backup as a reserve. Got some solid timing games. The Rams like to use him a lot. They like to rotate him in. He made some plays. But when you when you have a major injury, you never know what you're getting. What are your thoughts on Morgan Fox entering the season? Well, it's interesting. Uh just pulling up some different things and you know at least a lot of the word that's coming out of Ram camp is that he's been progressing uh, very well 
and seems to be back at the level he was last year. Uh, a lot of people felt that he would have been a guy that may have broken into the starting lineup and played a heck of a whole lot. So it'll be interesting to see. But absolutely, anytime you're coming off uh, an injury, though teams as the Rams have a great training staff and rehabilitation staff, uh, the injury is an injury. So it's a year out for you to really get back. And typically it's two years to really get back to just a normal way of doing things. So I'm sure he got some things to go, but just from all reports and he seems really upbeat about things. And so again, he's going to be a guy fighting poor position and, you know, you just pray that uh, he just stays healthy. And yeah, John Franklin Myers, John Franklin Myers, we interviewed him last year after the draft. I was really impressed with his attitude. I was impressed with his desire to go out there and make a difference in the field. And that's exactly what he did in his rookie year. He came in there and I think surprised a lot of people with how much of a presence he had in games. And it made me not worry so much about, say, an Indomitian Sioux leaving the team when you have a guy like him who developed very well in his first year, especially for someone who came from Stephen Avost, of all places. What do you think will happen with him as the season progresses this year? How much more development can you see, and what did you like about him last year? Well, you know, the good thing about him last year, he got in. He got in on the field. He played in some dime packages, so he gets he got some valuable experience as a true player in the NFL, you know, especially coming out of Stephen F. So this year, again, it gives him, I'm sure, a little more peace of mind in the sense he's been now in the scheme and he's been through a camp. He's been through an off season. So I'm, I see a guy like that being extra hungry and, and being even more active than he was uh, last season. I'm expecting big things out of him this year. I'm I'm not so sure he'll be an every-down guy. I think, I think he'll be a guy that rotates in well. James Franklin Myers reminds me a lot of two former Rams. James Hall, William Hay. Both players had motors. Both of them did not have the world's best technique. They were they were grinders. They they were effort guys, but they got the quarterback. And that's what they remind that's what John Franklin Myers reminded me of this past year, but I think if he's able to keep working in Wade Phillips and his in his staff there, he'll he'll be better than those guys were. I'm just talking about just the raw physicality that he brought, the the effort. The there it is, that's the word for me, Mike, is it's the effort that he brought to every play he was on the field. And that's what those guys were. James Hall, William Hayes were both effort guys, and because of that they made plays for the Rams during their time with the team. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. The you know the great thing about a team sport is you're going to have certain guys like an Aaron Donald. You're going to be like, oh, that guy's unique. But then you still got eleven other guys that are playing the game as well. So that's where the effort guys, the guys that don't have the names and lights, show up. And those are the guys that help you get wins, that help you get stops and critical downs, you know. And sometimes for us, it's like, oh, man, where's that guy? Maybe he should be. But, you know, again, the great thing that a coaching staff has and guys who are there each and every day is they get to see these guys working in practice. So for them, it's probably not as much as a surprise to us being the fans watching the game because they see those guys, you know, nonstop every day at practice so so yeah it'll be 
definitely exciting. You know, there's touting they're touting him to be, you know, probably the most the Rams most improved defensive player, so we'll see. I mean, just given his attitude, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, he had an attitude of of hunger. I've talked to a lot of players over the course of years, some retired, some of them young, some of them who have not been drafted yet. We did, we've had a whole bunch of different folks on the show. And he stood out to me because of this natural kind of hunger that he was able to articulate on the call. He was ready to jump in. He was proud to be a Ram. He was proud to be going out to L.A. and being a part of this team. And it really, I have not forgotten that interview. I'm not saying that he's some kind of major wordsmith or anything, but you can just tell him how he talked in terms of his, the passion kind of leaked through. And it, it meant a lot to me as a person who was looking to find something. Why would the Rams go take this guy? Why would the Rams go invest in a dude from Stephen F. Austin with this pick when they really need to find the right, when they need to strike gold really on these picks? And I think they did. I think they struck gold with John Franklin Myers, and I'm looking forward to see how he progresses in his second year. What you're saying, Derek, is those things that may not show up on the stat sheet. And so any organization, they're looking for a guy that shows up, play in, play out, but maybe not necessarily end up with eight sacks, but they ended up with six hurries, or maybe they ended up with a strip sack or fumble. But some of that stuff may not ultimately show up on ESPN where you go, oh, man, that guy is just all world. But those are the guys that are making the difference. You can easily move on to the next guy with the very same words. And that's Greg Gaines. Greg Gaines, (laughs) another fourth round pick. And there were a lot of folks going, what the heck, when the Rams took him. But our boy Norm texted us immediately and says, I love this pick because he saw a lot of Pac-12 football. Norm is a, was a, is a Pac-12 addict. And you go to his draft sheet on NFL.com, and he's rated as a 5.37, basically an NFL back, backup, and a special teams potential kind of guy. 6'1", 312, 31-and-a-quarter-inch arms. He's viewed as a, a guy who has short arms for his position. Not the fastest, but he's stout. But then you watch film on him, and you watch him take on two dudes and take them on well. And it's not just once in a while. He's very consistent. He's very, how do I say this? He's he's very nonchalant. He's just like, oh, yeah, I got you guys. I'm, <laughs> his technique was almost perfect. And sometimes, you know, we've talked about this with other position previews. Sometimes it's not really about how tall you are or how long your arms are. Sometimes it's about how good of a freaking football player you are. And it's pretty clear that he's a very good football player. You know, we talked a little bit in the draft time in regards to, you know, he's somewhat of a local product playing at La Harbor High School. Uh, And then he went on up to Washington. But for a specific need on defense, a true nose guy, this is what he is. And so his ability to get in there and mix it up. And from his own words, you know, from guard to guard, I'm ready and I'm I'm ready to go and I'm good. So he seems to know what his strengths are already. And for a true nose and a 3-4, that's what you need. Somebody who's able to play, we call those A-gaps, you know, and disrupt the center and, and make sure you're keeping guys off your linebackers. He should be able to provide that. And with his lower center gravity, he can literally – stay beneath some of those offensive linemen, which now creates leverage 
much like an Aaron Donald is able to. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. yeah, I, was, I was just thinking that I was sitting there going, I'm reading his scout report, I'm looking at his numbers, I'm thinking, you know who else is around six one, a little bit yeah. lighter, but around six one, probably doesn't have the world's biggest reach. A certain guy named Aaron Donald, and he's a monster. Exactly. And I, I don't I like look at the weaknesses on the scouting report here. And it's will lose his footing and may up on the may end up on the ground too often against his Lands Airline. And that's I mean, these are all this is by the way, not me criticizing Lands Airline over there at NFL.com. This is just what we're reading. Is that fixable? Yes. Stubby arms at over th- just over 31 inches. Uh, I can't fix that, but will has it been a problem for other people inside? Probably not. Unable to consistently square, separate from blocks due to lack of length. But maybe that's the point. Maybe his whole shtick, though, is being the guy who takes the double teams, who dives in there to free up his guy. So I'm not worried about that very much. Needs to win an early phase of the rep where he gets overtaken. Well, isn't that true for almost every player in the trenches? Uh, oh, absolutely. Lacks, lacks traits and toolboxes a pass rusher. I'm sorry, I don't care. That's not what they went and got him for. They went and got him to stuff the run. Well, when you look at what Coach McVay and some of the other scouting department people uh, have said, they talk about the senior bowl where he went up against two guys who became eventual first-round uh, picks Excuse me, on the offensive line. And from what they're saying, he put the work in on those guys. So you look at a guy who comes from Washington, goes up what is considered the best guys who end up first-round draft picks, and he puts work in on them. Well, that shows you one thing. He's not scared, and he's going to show up against whoever's playing. And the better you think you are, the better I'm going to play. So they traded out of the first round, ended up moving back up to grab this kid. So – I got to believe they know what they're doing. But when they say he went up against the best of the best at the mm-hmm. Senior Bowl, that that speaks for itself. And he did, he did it well. Back to those weaknesses, too. Just kind of put a cherry on this. Noted that he lacks, I mentioned just before he said that he lacks traits and toolboxes of pass rush. We didn't, we're not worried about that. We're worried about his run stopping. Uh, that's what's important to us. So it needs to develop a rush counter and bull rush stalls. Uh, that's pretty much almost every down defensive linemen. They need to find counters. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the battle for hand placement could be a struggle in NFL. It's a struggle for anybody. I mean, unable to punch and slide to maintain his fit against his own below average change of direction. He's six foot one, three twenty. You think he's going to be great change in direction? He's got to carry 320 pounds. So, again, this is not crazy from the zero line of the sky report. This is what he saw, and that's fine. You write down what you saw. What I'm saying is, is almost all these things are fixable with good coaching in the NFL. Absolutely. But the thing is, in a 3-4, when you're using a true nose, you don't need a guy to really be doing all the stuff that may look like is a negative. You need a guy to keep guys off your linebackers, and that's what he's going to be able to do and then make a play in between those gaps. So I'm I'm excited about what he's going to be able to do. And again, he's loaded the ground already, and you got a guy weighing 325. It's not like you can just push a guy just easily off his mark at 325 225 maybe 325 is a big difference and he's got that lower center of gravity much like you mentioned aaron donald that is going to cost folks a hard time because what's happening with these offensive linemen you're going out there and a lot of the offensive linemen are six four six five six six and these mm-hmm. little six we're finding this with aaron donald and this is this is actually there's actually a market now because of aaron donald you go out there and you get these six one dudes who to me i'm five nine these guys are tower over me, but in, in the huddle, they don't. 
But those are the ones who can get underneath somebody and push up on those pads and knock them back because these offensive linemen keep getting taller, taller, and bigger and bigger. Your your center of gravity changes. All of a sudden, how you combat that changes. I'm excited about this pick. I'm excited about what we're hearing. We've heard he's taking off some some fat, added more muscle, so you're going to add more strength. I like what we're hearing from him already, and he was already an effort guy. I can't wait to see how he does in training camp. I cannot see the impact he makes, and I'm hoping, I mean, I think just judging how we're talking, we're expecting big things from a fourth-round pick here, but I think what we're expecting is justified. Well, you know, the other thing is, you're talking about these guys, a number of them, they're going to be rookies in the NFL. So there's a lot, no matter how much you can do to get ready for a season, there's just a lot to learn as a rookie. Again, you got to get the tempo, you know, being able to pay. One of the biggest things I found out, I remember my first camp was, you know, we went two weeks or two days, just rookies and, you know, selected veterans. But I just remember how tired I was. And then I remember when the veterans came, they practiced the same amount of time, but they didn't look tired at all at the end of practice. And I'm like, Okay, man, I'm beat to death. Why do these guys? Well, because they had been there, done that. They knew how to pace themselves. They knew what drills to really show up in. But when you're a rookie, you're trying to make every play count. So we also need to just understand these guys are rookies and they have a lot to learn, you know, from an NFL standpoint. So I'm just excited that he fits the mold. He has the ability, the tools. He's played in a conference that, uh, that he's had to rush the passer because they throw the ball in the pack. So I'm excited. Well, before we move on, I better go ahead and give a shout out too because we've already been in conversation for a while now. I forgot to mention, I was so excited to talk about defensive linemen today. I forgot the entire intro. I just want to remind you, we are sponsored by Jim Hawkins, book Hollow's team. We also want to ask you, hey, if you had, if you do sort of podcast regularly, we really appreciate a subscription. So if you can go to Spotify, SoundCloud, Spreaker, really Apple Music, that's where most people listen to us anyways. Please head on over there, subscribe, leave a five-star review. We'd really appreciate it. And if you really don't don't want to quite yet, you're kind of on the fence about that five-star review and you want us to earn it, that's that's fine with us too. Email us at ramstop1945 at gmail.com. Send us a voicemail and give your feedback and tell us what we can do to make this podcast better. Mike's perfectionist. So I can promise you that. He tries every week to make it right, and you know why I will as well. So eventually... Maybe one day we'll, ha- we'll actually give you the perfect podcast. Fingers crossed on that one. In the meantime, we do have that contest going on where if once we get 200 five-star reviews, one lucky winner will get a same five-star gift over to NFLshop.com. And all you got to do is go over to Apple Music, leave that five-star review, send us an email at Ransom1945 with a copy of your entry, like, like a screenshot. And it's because people's names are different oftentimes in our emails. And that way it enters you in and we know who to reward and we'll also read your feedback on the show because you deserve a shout-out if you're willing to take the time to go out there and leave a review. Don't forget our other shows in the network, Rams Uncensored, Butting Heads. They are here now every week. We are putting out content like crazy because we love covering this team and our guys are passionate about it. Okay, so moving on to the conversation here. We've talked about John, John Franklin Myers. We've talked about Michael Brockers. We've talked about Aaron Donald. We have one more guy, though, that to me... Well, two more, really, who I think matter a lot for this season. And the first one, Sebastian Joseph Day. I mentioned a little bit earlier, he's a guy who spent a lot of time watching how Sue works. And the Rams pick off-the-grid guys, guys who you don't think 
can be more than a potential backup, but yet we're hearing lots of good things about him heading into this season. And it's going to be very interesting to see how he performs because he basically didn't play last year. So we've gone from hearing about someone who didn't play last year to to someone who the team expects and we are starting to expect will make an impact. What have you heard this far about Mr. Day? You got a guy that he's from Rutgers, so he's played in some some inclement weather and different things like that, but intelligent guy, but he has the size. And when they're talking about him out here, at least, filling uh, a guy like Sue's shoes, but he's kind of learned under him and having been inactive all last season, believe me, this guy's going to be, I'm not going to be inactive this year. So, I'm sure he's going to get after it, and he has everything he needs. But, again, advantage to him being on the roster, that's going to play big dividends coming into camp, leading him through camp and into the season. Hearing very good feedback on him and going back to his draft record, just kind of give you a reminder of who he was. His strengths last year in the draft, very good quickness off the snap, had a nice 40 at 497 for a big guy like him with a 10-yard split to match. That's a quote from Lance Airline. Again, we, we, I rely a lot on his because the NFL is the ones who are really focusing their scouting out there. Quick hands, strong hands, um, good motor. Lots of guys with motors. We keep seeing that over and over again with the Rams who have their guys with motors. Good agility, good feel for blocking schemes. His weaknesses, he has all this athletic ability but did not have good pass rush production. There could be a number of reasons with that, though. There could be who's next to you. There could be the scheme. There can be a lot of reasons. He did play nose at Rutgers, so he could go to a three technique, just so we remind that one. he The one thing that was mentioned is that he was unable to, to quote-unquote, impose his will against Michigan State's Brian Allen face-to-face. Who's Brian Allen? He's, uh, oh, he's now Los Angeles Rams' Brian Allen. Matt's his closest comparative, and Brian Allen is also a guy who was expected to be drafted late, and the Rams went and got him. Very interesting in terms of that. A lot of these weaknesses that we see in somebody, though, they're not really weaknesses at the pro level in terms of you can fix those things. It's very hard to say fix really bad footwork. If you don't have instincts for the game, you can't. it's very hard to fix bad instincts. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and so things are what you might see because you went to a practice or something like that or maybe you watched a game. But, again, the thing that we don't have – is the idea of what actually is a guy supposed to be doing on that play according to the scheme. So though it may look like a guy has a shortcoming, he may be doing exactly what he's supposed to be doing according to what his defensive coordinator and D-line coach have told him to do. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, what we can see is if a guy is in front of him and he runs him over, slings him, throws him to the ground, you know, obviously you can go, ooh, he manhandled a guy like that. So it'll be interesting. And and earlier, you know, I correct myself. Uh, yeah, he played for Chris Ash, who was actually mm-hmm. my son's uh, Chris Chris Ash, was the head coach at Rutgers, or so still is. Uh, he played for him. And actually, Chris Ash was my son's uh, defensive back coach, D.C. coach, when he was at San Diego State. So... That's where that connection comes. Oh. Yeah. Huh. Trivia. Yeah. How the circle tightens. How the circle <laughs> tightens. Overall, I'm feeling on first glance, I'm not happy Ndamukong Nadam- 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 Sue is gone. I wish they could have kept him. 
I am pretty comfortable with the guys who are left. I don't know that this will be a dominant defensive line. I don't. I think it'll be a flexible defensive line in terms of how you can move personnel around, how you can work matchups up against against offensive lines based on athletic ability. I, there's a lot of to me fluidity here when it comes to this Rams defensive line. Nobody here is locked, stuck, and burl under one position and locked in place there, except for maybe Aaron Donald. And Aaron Donald moves from right to left side all the time, so. I like what the Rams have done here. It doesn't mean I wouldn't appreciate a guy like Sue in the lineup, but they're okay. I think they're going to be fine. And we also you know, another guy by the name Tanzel Smart who can fill some holes in there too. He, he can take some space in there and make some plays. He's more than capable of rotating in and doing a solid job. What's really interesting about him is if you go back to his old draft profile, it's dead on. It's dead on to what he gave his first year and everything that is an attribute for him was exactly what it was, and everything that was weaknesses is exactly what it was. So in this case, for example, the weaknesses, short and squatty frame, matched up against uh, below average competition on most weeks is all, quote, plays straight-legged, which limits his straight change of direction, lack of direct length, causing swing and miss in tackle attempts, may not have enough raw power to make it for his lack of slot size, long-armed guard can stab his chest and stick neutral. See, these are the physical issues that to me are hard to fix because they're straight physical issues. But if you look at all the strengths of what it says he's going to do, they scouted him right as what he was. He played a lot in 2017, and he just was not the guy who can rotate in and do a play, play every down. But he's a solid backup who will make an impact, can get some things done, great instincts in terms of being up front. He recognizes plays very well, and... To me, he's pretty much the final of all the guys we talked about thus far who's pretty much guaranteed, unless he really messes up in camp, he's pretty much guaranteed to make the team. Yeah, and, and it's interesting if you were to go online, like I did, and look at a Rams depth chart, they have him actually as a starting nose tackle. Now, of course, that's just on paper right now, but I would say that when those things get printed that's a good estimate of what they're thinking is the case right now so that being the case that means it's his job to lose in a sense of if he goes out and produces and does the things he's supposed to do you know one thing you can't you know really say good or bad as someone who is disruptive and has quickness so he seems to have those things which obviously is a strength yeah, but, I mean, go back to watching him play. You know, he he got moved off the ball quite a bit in that very same position as a nose tackle. I think he's there basically because the other guys haven't earned that spot yet. He's been there the longest, so he, he's going to be the guy at nose right now. To me, he's the one with the most physical weaknesses for what they need at that position. It does not mean he can't make an impact long term. But just, I'm looking at that going, we've seen him play. We've seen him play very well, and we've seen him manhandle. And we, that was a lot in 2017. It was especially early when teams were getting used to him. Do you remember this? We said his name a lot. How much was it? How much was it? What do you mean? He said a lot. It was a lot. Okay. <laughs> because we had some injuries, and he came in there, and he, and he did very well. We heard his name called a lot for some, some plays made. And then as he t- as time wore on later that year, teams figuring him out and just wore him out. I, I just don't see him being that starting nose tackle this year. I think Greg Gaines will pass him. I think 
Sebastian Joseph Day will pass him because they're stronger fundamentally overall. Now, think of what that ultimately does, though. That creates competition. And competition, usually, if you're a guy who's gritty like a great Gaines, it's going to bring the best out of you. Mm-hmm. Now, again, the thing that Smart has, he's actually been here, done that. He'll know how to pace himself a little bit more than a great Gaines will. But when you're looking at just strength and power and all those things, you know, again, I guess maybe this is a little bit sentimental. You know, it's like, hey, you guys can say what it is, but that guy's still my little brother because I've already been here. So if I'm Tanzel Smart, he better be thinking, you know, I don't think he's just going to give it up that easy. No, he won't. And hopefully that makes him a better football player, too. Absolutely. I mean, I would love for that to happen. I'd love for him to make an impact. Hey, you know what? I would love to be wrong. Any, any guy who would step in there and help this team be a better football team, I don't care who you are. It's not personal. I'm saying I have my doubts. I'm just remembering what I've seen. I'm not. He's a good football player who should be on the team. I'm. I just want to see the best possible guy in that position on opening day. And if it's him, great. Oh, no doubt, no doubt. And that's what's great about camp, off season, the draft, all the things that we've been talking about over the last number of weeks. You know, here we are to get a chance to see how it's all going to play out. Exactly. Other guys, they're interesting to us. They are basically, well, they're, they're, they're camp bodies who you never know who will be developed. Bryant Jones, he is a camp body. Mississippi Valley State, he knows the area, though. He grew up in Riverside. He does have some roots there. It'll be hard for him to stick, though, because this is, while not maybe a, a defensive line is full of number one draft picks anymore, it is a defensive line that has been basically crafted by Les Snead and Wade Phillips f- through the last three years. It'll be hard for him to find that spot. So we'll see on him. Marquise Copeland. Interesting guy. He was a player who, he had some interesting numbers on his, his draft profile. Went to UC, University of Cincinnati. He's a guy who, at one point, was he's a top three defensive end coming out of Cleveland's uh, Bedford High School. The problem with him, and the, it's always been a problem with him, is not that he's not a good football player, his size. 6'2", 281, it's hard for him to play defensive tackle. Uh, only a couple guys we know can do that with that size, one of them being Aaron Donald. He outgrew linebacker. He outgrew pretty much everything on that front seven. and It was very hard for him to find a good, solid spot to be, but he's an athlete. He's an athlete. And so it'll be interesting to see what they can do, if they can do anything with him. He is productive. He's active. He reads plays quickly. So there are several things that are good about him, has good footwork. It's just really about his size in equivalence with his, his athletic ability. Basically, in college, he was a tweener, and that doesn't always translate well to the NFL. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and, you know, unfortunately or fortunately, you know, any person who's able to get in a NFL camp has to have some skill. The great thing about it is, you know, there's only going to be so many spots available on every team. So the key is get in there, get your rips, reps, show up, do some big things. You know, even if you're number three, four five down the list, uh, Unfortunately, because of the injury factor, teams are always going to be looking and scouring everybody else's team, rosters, who's getting let go, 
because uh, they've scouted these guys as well. So I'm sure there there may be a different system, maybe a different team. But the thing is, you get a chance to get in a camp. You just need to show up no matter where it is. And again, he's he's another effort guy. The Rams love going out there and getting effort guys. So you never know. We, things change for football players. You get the right coach. They get the right mentors around them, and they blossom. For all we know, he could be a late bloomer, and we're talking about him come opening day one these days. You just never know. Our last guy to cover really quick here is Boogie Roberts. I just love saying the name Boogie Roberts. Boogie Roberts. Come on, say everything. Come on, Mike. Boogie Roberts. I can't say it, Boogie. <laughs> you know, that makes me think of Boogie Cousins, and the Boogies just don't do well. <laughs> Okay, well, <laughs> but he is from my conference, San Jose State Spartan. Uh, but you know, we used to give it to them, those Bulldogs. So, uh, for whatever it's worth, uh, I know some coaches on the San Jose staff. So, I'm going to say he's going to be a guy that, as some of these other guys we've talked about, he's going to be a scrapper. And again, you get a guy like this who gets a chance to come in camp, and the next thing you know, you're going, man, boogie starting. Here's the interesting thing. He is a true nose. He's a true nose who is smart. Rams like they're smart guys. He's explosive. He splits double teams, keeps linebackers clean, kind of like somebody else we know. So all those things work really well for him. He got high marks coming out of his bowl game. NFL draft puts NFL draft puts had some good work for him. Here's the problem. And we just talked about this before. There's concern about him being undersized. It just depends. You know, again, we've said it four or five times already, Aaron Donald's undersized, supposedly. Yeah, supposedly. Greg Gaines, undersized. Rams really like him in terms of height. We'll find out. We'll find out what can be done with him. But I really, the Rams have been so good at drafting guys. They've been so good developing guys. It would not surprise me to see a couple of these dudes stick it out and make it in the NFL. Yeah, you know, and again, I think the Rams do an excellent, I don't think, I know they do an excellent job. Again, I was an eighth-round pick when I came out, and people thought that was a steal, you know. So sometimes I kind of laugh at these things because I was technically projected third, fourth-round guy. Didn't go to the combine because I was playing baseball and whatever that is. But nevertheless, they came, worked me out a couple times, and I think they felt they got a steal for a guy in the eighth round who became a starter early on and played solid seven solid seasons for him. So you look at a lot of these guys, they still have that somewhat same makeup in the sense of the one thing you're going to get with, you know, and I'll say a player like me is you're not going to get so caught up in the lights, if you will, but you're going to, as we say, you're going to take your lunch pail to work every day. And that's what you want out of anyone that's playing on your team is a guy who's going to come to work, play hard and take care of his business off the field as well, that you don't have to be worried about it. So seem like they have a lot of those kind of guys. And that's what that's been their MO. And they've been excellent at developing those guys. They really have been. We'll see. I, you're, we're going to hear a lot of me saying we'll see in these previews because it seems so weird for a team that's won two NFC West titles. Hmm. They have a lot of young guys they bring into camp, and they're constantly looking to develop them because they can only keep so many core guys. This is my, again, we've had this conversation about the salary cap. They have to, they have to develop guys. And so we find interesting players like 
say, Boogie Roberts, who may not have had an opportunity to come here and develop under Wade, Wade Phillips and see if they can find something in him. Chances are good. The chances are good. All right, folks, so there we go. We are done with our defensive line preview. I'm a little hesitant to say who's going to make the team, who's not going to make the team this year because I I think we already know who will make the team. I think it's pretty clear this year in terms of depth. The other guys, camp bodies, people who could hopefully make the practice squad, we'll leave it at that. Agree, Mike? Oh, yes, sir, man. I, I just, I'm totally, you know, really just excited about the overall uh, depth we seem to have now at the, the front, the D-line. And so, man, I'm just really excited for all those guys that they're going to get in there and show up. And we're going to actually have a nice rotation when a guy needs to, you know, get a blow here or there. Uh, but I'm really excited that uh, we're going to see some great things from these guys. The rotation is going to be key. The rotation is going to be key this year. We're going to have guys who are fresh all the time. All right. So, all that said, we do want to give a shout out to our sponsor, Jim Hawk. His wonderful book, Hollywood Scene, Grit, Glamour, in the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. The book tells the story of the 1950s Rams. It lends a Jim's dad, John, who was the offensive lineman for the team from 1953 to 1957. Check out the story of his father and the team he played for in air. Glitz, Glamour, and future Hall of Famers. Read about players like Norm Van Brocklin, Elroy, Crazy Search, Tom Fierce, and Les Richter in this story spanning the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. You can find Hawk's book online at hollywoodsteam.com and on Twitter at hollywoodsteam. It's available both on hardback and electronic form Amazon, Barnes & Noble. You can also find this in paperback on September 6th. Folks, I got to tell you, we've been Jim has been great to us for two years now. He really has been. He flew me out last year for Rams Fest. He has taken part in helping us out for, for Dom. He's been there this one, every step of the way. He's a good man who has a heart for this team, has a heart for the fan base, and a heart for helping the community do him a solid. Get his book out there. All the proceeds go to Homeboy Industries, which is a wonderful organization that helps get people out of the gang life and into being productive members of society. Check it out. Hollywood Scene, Grit, Glamour, and the 19th East Los Angeles Rams by Jim Hawk. It's worth your time, and it's a, it's a great Rams historical read. Just really is. All right, so we're almost out of here, but before we go, we do want to get you out to talk with Garrett Sissy from the Lightning Round. He covers the Los Angeles Chargers. We've had him on the show numerous times. We love to give him a hard time about him being a Chargers guy. But he does know what he's talking about. He can give us an excellent preview of his Chargers for this year. So check it out. Here is Garrett Sisti from the Lightning Round covering the L.A. Chargers. All right, folks. I'm here with Garrett Sisti from the Lightning Round podcast, our San Diego Chargers buddy. Mm-hmm. Often <laughs> makes his appearances on our roundtables as well. And by the way, I had an idea. Let me know if you think this is a good one. I'm thinking that we should go ahead and go out and get a trophy, and then whoever wins next year will actually get a trophy for you know most predictions correct at the end of the year. And then following year, whoever wins that year will will ship that trophy to the next person. What do you think about that? I love that idea. Um, of course, you did that after I had already won. Uh, because maybe I was, I'll <laughs> go out and get a trophy and send it your way. Yes, yeah, I would definitely love a, a trophy because I won this year. And also, when we did the roundtable for this year, we all did a very bold prediction. And uh, my bold prediction at the time was Antonio Brown was going to sign with the Raiders. Now, when we recorded that, he was in talks with every team. Green Bay was in the discussion, and um, there were a lot of other teams. But the Raiders were not really 
there yet. And so I thought they were a dark horse to get him. And, of course, here we are. Uh, bold prediction. I'm already ahead, and we haven't even started yet. Oh, Lord, you're not going to let anybody in that group let, let it go. <laughs> <laughs> I talked to and Brandon from the from Chicago Wobble 2 this week, and he was on board with the whole trophy idea. And I'll talk to uh, the Bills guys this week, too. So I think it'll, I think we're going to do it. It'll be fun. Yeah, let's do it. So here we go. I mean, I have to admit grudgingly that this Chargers team was pretty freaking good last year. And, you know, I, I right away asked you, how do you evaluate the 2018 Chargers? Because at what point it looked like they might be the best team in the AFC, and then the Patriots kind of wrecked it all. What happened? Which is always the case, right? Yeah, Everybody is – well, of course, because you guys are in the NFC. But for every AFC team, it's the same thing. You know, they are the number one team heading into the playoffs, and somehow – and, you know, Belichick's old, and Brady should hang it up, and there are all these doubts heading into the playoffs, and then they always end up in the Super Bowl. They always do it. So what happened was they ran into the Patriots, just like every other team every other year. Now, of course, they don't make the, the Super Bowl every year, but – uh, the Chargers were just outmatched. At that point, uh, they were running a big nickel, which worked out great against the uh, Baltimore Ravens, where they ran an extra DB rather than running a linebacker. So they were running seven DBs on the field. They were much faster. Uh, they were better in coverage. Things were working out great. And it and it worked out good in terms of the wild card round because they had a spy and guys quick enough to catch up to Lamar Jackson when he wanted to run. Now with Brady it just became a mismatch and they just ran the ball down their throat and uh, they would do a lot of play action and have the DBs bite and they'd hit Gronkowski or Edelman over the middle and they just eight yards away and they ran it down the Chargers' throat. And so they tried to fix that in the offseason and through the draft and they, you know, the run defense really uh, let them down in that round against the, play, against the Patriots. And it's still a great season and, you know, they deserve credit for it. I think this year based on what we've seen, and we'll get to that, there's a reason for hope. In the meantime, I have to ask this because it never will it will never leave you alone. It's just not going to happen, especially in t- unless the Chargers do catch on in, lo- in Los Angeles long term. And I know you're down in San Diego, so how are the folks in San Diego now, a couple years over now, be- adjusting to the Chargers being gone? And has the city itself given any hope of an NFL team down there? Uh, no and no. Uh, <laughs> um you know, they they had a team uh, in the AAF, but of course they folded. Um, but there's no talks about a team going back to San Diego. Uh, the Chargers said they would never go back to San Diego. And if they did, it would be very far in the future. They were saying at least 20 years. They had to really give L.A. a shot. So you're not looking for a, a Charger team back in San Diego till after 20 years from when they left, at the least, is what they were saying. So um, the, San Diego's never gotten over it. I don't think they will ever get over it, and why should they? You know, they had a team ripped uh, from their city uh, from a uh, greedy owner and a half-assed stadium pitch that did not work. So uh, there w- there's a lot of bad blood there. If they would have given the city a fair shot on a vote, and uh, they would have really tried to put a stadium together, and it just failed, and San Diego said no more, then it would make a ton of sense. But, uh, you know, people are trying to rewrite history and talk about how San Diego never loved the Chargers, and that's just not true. Um, Dean kind of did it as a kind of just to show that he was doing it, but he never really wanted to stay San Diego. He always wanted to go to L.A., and he got his way, and uh, I, I don't know if San Diego will ever recover. And I don't know if L.A. is going to accept them long-term either. 
they haven't so far, and uh, it's definitely a Rams town. Uh, and obviously, that we all saw that coming, though. I mean, they had a history in L.A., the Rams did. And, you know, everybody knows that the Raiders and Rams should have been the two teams in L.A., uh, but Dean overplayed his hand and, and jumped at it, making sure that Mark Davis couldn't get to L.A. at the time. And so uh, here we are. The Raiders are off to Vegas. The Chargers are a, a second banana in L.A., and they, they may never get accepted. Well, it never made sense to me. Honestly, and I, and I think we've talked about it before. Yeah. It was a right, it alerted a lot of Raiders fans. And so these LA fans have been used to cheering against the Chargers for years. And now all of a sudden, you expect them to switch allegiances and cheer for the Chargers? Yeah, there, there's a lot of dumb things going on here, especially against the Chargers. A lot of things going against them here because it's a Raiders and Rams town. So, of course, the Raiders are division rivals with the Chargers, so they hate the Chargers. So to send them in the city where the Raiders belong, of course they won't accept them. And in San Diego, L.A. has always been the San Diego's biggest rival. In baseball, the Dodgers are the Padres' biggest rival. When the Raiders were in L.A., it was the, the San Diego's biggest rival. So San Diego's not going to accept it. I mean, uh, imagine... Whatever your team's biggest rival is, send that other team to your city. No one's going to root for them. You know, they've been programmed and conditioned to not like the Chargers in L.A., and then they send them to L.A., and as they saw, there isn't any fans there, and we'll see if there ever will be. Yeah, I'm really interested next year when Englewood opens and see what happens. And it didn't, to me, it wasn't also smart. We talked about this before we started the show. It was never smart to me that the Chargers came in saying, battle for L.A., Let's you know the Rams fans didn't care until then. They didn't care at all. You know they they, they would have been like, okay, the Chargers are here. Now you're you're starting to battle with the Rams, and it just doesn't make sense to me. Just why would you do that? And it didn't work. No, no, it didn't work. But it was you know it was their way of kind of trying to force the issue a little bit, create a rivalry, hopefully drive up some buzz. You know, I I get why they were doing it. It didn't make sense because they, they were never in a battle. Uh, the Rams were always the winner there in L.A., so it didn't make a ton of sense. But, you know, they're just trying to drum up some buzz. And I, I guess you could say they did. I guess. I don't know. I don't think anybody's really considering that a battle of L.A., but here we are, you know. Well, destruction, unfortunately, Yeah. Uh, at least for, for Chargers fans. Now, getting back to the football side of things. Oh, cool. Okay, great. <laughs> 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 I'm not trying to twist it and love you too much. I mean, it, it, it's a little different, you know. It's it would be really weird if I was like a Browns podcast or a Steelers podcast asking those questions. But we're we're both LA podcasts now. Um, yeah, you, you're kind well, of well. Let me tell you, it doesn't that. matter. It doesn't matter if it's an LA podcast. Uh, I've done there. Uh, there's a ESPN in Honolulu who uh, got a hold of me and wanted to know about the Chargers, and they asked me about the move. And it doesn't matter where it's at. Every Every place I go on and do an interview or anything, it's always about the move. So that, that's just something I've accepted. So it, it is okay. It, I think it will be for a couple more years. And it watch, yeah. watch it spike, too, when the Chargers had their first home games in that new stadium. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the only way, it sh- only way the whole thing shuts down and stops talking is, well, they fill that stadium. If they fill that stadium, there's nothing else to talk about anymore. But they're not going to, at least not this right, right now, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, they, they said that winning would fix it, and the Chargers won a lot last year. And so um, that that did not fix it at all. They still talked about it, and they're still talking about it. So going to the winning part here, let's just go right to your quarterback, Phillip Rivers. How much time does he have left in his game? 
as I mean, as long as he wants, he played some of his best football last year, not of his whole career, but of as of recently, you know, the last three seasons or so going into the 2018 season, it was kind of, Hey, look, there's gotta be a successor at some point because the Chargers never drafted a quarterback to back up Phillip rivers. And, and the one they did, they drafted in the sixth round or the seventh round, sixth or seventh round was Brad Sorensen. So it's not like they put a plan in place. And then when they brought in Tyrod Taylor this year, you thought, you know, maybe they're thinking about it, but the way Philip Rivers played last year, you can't replace him. And until he's ready to hang it up, you just keep rolling with Rivers. So uh, he has been very good. Uh, he played great. Some of his best ball, like I mentioned, in 2018. And uh, he's got as long as he wants. I don't know if he'll play up until you know Brady's age, but we'll see. You know, I'll get at that, those three quarterbacks, those three major quarterbacks from that draft, Cutler, Rivers, and Manning. Okay. Eli and Roethlisberger. Sorry, Roethlisberger. So yeah. Eli Manning, Roethlisberger, and Rivers. And there's a really good argument that Rivers is the best of all of them. There really is. Yeah, if you're not, I mean, everybody includes championships, which uh, is great for the barbershop. But, um, you know, if you're talking about a, the best career and the better player, uh, I think there's a very, very good argument that Philip Rivers is the best of that class, but still hasn't won that ring. And that's not his fault. I look at this team, like the Giants teams, and the, the Giants, let's just be honest, they got lucky a little bit in some places, and and some people made plays where they normally wouldn't make plays. But the numbers for Eli were never really there. Roethlisberger, great system, great you know, great defense. That first Super Bowl wasn't even really him. So I look at that and think Super Bowl is valuable. But if we're going to talk on the field performance overall, longevity, consistency, I go with Phil Rivers. I it's not his fault that the Chargers organization has been a train wreck at times and messed things up. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think Norv Turner wasted his best years and the best years of that team. And they they were a powerhouse uh, during those years with LT and Sean Merriman and Phil Rivers, you know, fresh in the league. And they, they were playing great then, and uh, he just completely wasted those years when they could have uh, easily had a championship during that run because that was a, a really good team. So, yeah, I would say, you know, some of the management, some of the coaching, a lot of that, has to play into why Rivers just hasn't got a championship yet. So moving now over to the team's free agent moves. What do you make of their free agent moves this offseason? Who did they lose, and what was their most significant signing? You know, uh, it's been very quiet on the free agent front for the Chargers. Um, one of their biggest losses, I guess uh, name-wise, would be Jason Verrett. He was a uh, Pro Bowl corner, but he's never had a healthy season. And the one that he played... Almost a full season, he was a pro bowler, but he's been injured his whole career. He recently signed with the 49ers, but, uh, you know, the Chargers have been good at corner the last couple of years, so they haven't really needed him. Uh, he had back-to-back seasons where he injured himself before uh, the season even started. So, uh, he, you know, it, when he plays, he's, a, he's an incredible player, and I hope, I wish him the best of luck. But uh, he was probably one of the team's biggest loss this uh, this offseason. In terms of additions, like I mentioned, it's been kind of quiet. But uh, Thomas Davis, the old uh, veteran from the Panthers, is the big free agent acquisition. And the guy I mentioned a little bit earlier, Tyrod Taylor, the ex-Browns quarterback as well. Uh, t- adding Thomas Davis to that linebacker core is good. 
Uh, like I mentioned, they kind of got decimated in the run game, and a lot of that was because the linebackers and the, and the reason they ran that whole big nickel extra DBs is because that linebacker core wasn't very good, and they were injured late in the year. So adding a guy like Thomas Davis is good. Uh, he'll be penciled in at the will for the Chargers, and um, th- that should be an upgrade. Uh, if you if you count Tyrod Taylor as an upgrade at your backup quarterback, that's that's great too. Um, but uh, Thomas Davis was the big acquisition this offseason. Now, the draft class, though, I've, I've seen lots of folks praising this draft class. Uh, how do you evaluate what were their best or worst picks and why? So uh, my favorite pick was the uh, second-round pick, and that was for Nasir Adderley, the free safety. Uh, the Chargers have struggled at free safety for years, years and years, and they finally got a playmaker in the back end who's an athlete, a uh, great guy who's near, great near line of scrimmage, um, they, they talked about this free safety position being wide open to camp, but having a guy who has the ball skills like Adderley on the back end is a player they've been missing since Eric Weddle, really. Um, he's you know a versatile DB that I like a lot. A lot of people had a first-round grade on him. The fact that he fell to the end of the second round was amazing. So uh, to get a guy like Nasir Adderley, who was really, really high on their board, to fall to them at the end of the second round, was really good value and a big position of need going into the draft. Uh, the one that everybody kind of scratches their head about is the third-round pick. And uh, if you follow the Chargers at all, uh, the general manager, Tom Telesco, kind of goes sideways in the third round, uh, and it has not worked out very well very often. So the big head-scratcher for everybody, really, is uh, Trey Pipkins with, uh, from Sioux Falls, which I know sounds like a, a made-up player, but... Uh, uh, to kind of reach for a guy in a really, really small school um, was was not good, in my opinion. There were a bunch of tackles still left on the board. Yadni Kajas was still there, who a lot of people had you know, a lot earlier than the third round. The Patriots picked him up a, a couple picks after the Chargers. But um, Pipkins is a guy they like because he's really big and really athletic. Um, but they only see him as a left tackle. And right now the Chargers have Russell Okung, who's uh, been great on the left side. They've had major problems on the right side. So even though they picked up a tackle, it's still on the wrong side. Uh, he's always played left tackle in college, Pipkins has. So um, right tackle is still a big question mark and kind of a head-scratcher because it was the only uh, tackle pick they made, and they didn't address it in free agency at all. Looking at this roster overall, the AFC West, the Chiefs made some very interesting moves. Where do you, right now at this point, put the Chargers in the AFC West, and how many wins do you see in their schedule? Uh, right now, I, you know, I think it's a 10-11 win season for the Chargers. I think they're going to be really good, and there's just going to be games where they're, where they're going to win just on talent because I think they're, they're talented enough to beat anybody any given Sunday, it seems like. I mean, when you, when you stack up this roster against some of the best in the NFL, they, they definitely match up, and uh, you know that, that changes when the season starts and injuries happen. But I think it's a 10-11 win season, and I, I still think that it's still a second-place team. Uh, the Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes is just too electric. And Andy Reid's going to get double-digit wins every season. So uh, in my mind, even without Tyreek Hill, the Chiefs are very talented. And they did pretty good in the draft, too. They picked up some uh, good players, and uh, even in free agency. So, um, you know, where they had issues, uh, they got better this offseason. And, um, you know, they lost Kareem Hunt. They might leave, uh, lose Tyreek Hill. But uh, they're still a talented team, and, and as of now, uh, going into the season, I think they're the team to beat in the AFC West. All right, man. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Can you let people know where you can find you? 
Of course. Uh, you can follow me at Garrett Sisti on Twitter, S-I-S-T-I, last name. And if you want to hear some uh, talk about the Chargers, it's at the Lightning Round Podcast. And hey, and don't forget, we'll have to do the you know the whole prediction podcast comes in August. We'll have you back along with the, with Brandon from Chicago Audible, Drew and Chris from the Rock Pile. All those guys will be all back, and hopefully, we can find a way for me being the host podcast not to finish on almost last place. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, and Den too. Yeah, Den. Den uh, yeah, he'll be there too. Yeah, it'll be fun. I, I can't wait. All right, but we'll talk to you again. <laughs> Talk to you soon, actually. <laughs> All right, man. Thanks. All right. See ya. All right. So, Mike, just real quick. One of the things that we've been talking about this year is, at least by all the pundits, the Chargers have passed the Rams. Do you think they have? Uh, maybe going to the In-N-Out burger stand, but <laughs> not in football. <laughs> I mean the Chargers have a good football team Don't get me wrong They do They have their own question marks though They do And they have a, a tough A tough comp- competitor with Kansas City There in the division So I don't know I can tell you one thing When it comes down to Getting themselves in with the fan base Out there in Los Angeles The Rams are still ahead And there's a long way to go there for them Yeah it's a long way to go And you know Quiet has kept the, the the Chargers, in my humble opinion. You know, they they won a lot of games, you know, just kind of fluky, you know, down the stretch, throw a ball up here, throw a ball up there. So if anyone may end up 8-8, eight and eight, to me it would be a team like that who have a lot to prove playing a tough division. So, yeah, no, it's not even close. I mean, you could make the same argument with the Rams last year, though. They had a couple of games that anybody could argue were, quote-unquote, fluky. I mean, I am not even talking about our championship game because I believe the Rams actually outplayed the Saints for most of that game. There were several games last year that were close. The Rams could easily easy a loss. But if you look at the talented cores, who's got more talent overall on paper? I still go Rams. They have more depth overall. I still go there. Pretty yeah, and, and maybe it's my, my personal bias, you know, Again, my day, we used to go and scrimmage them sometimes twice in the preseason, then play them during the season. And, you know, we came up winners most of those days. So, uh, you know, sometimes you just see a team in the light and, you know, the lightning bolts, you know, that's old on the helmet. It's like, okay, let's come up with something new. And so, uh, but yeah, they got some good players, you know, obviously led by Phillip Rivers and, you know, so many other great players as well. But, you know, it's it's kind of like the Clippers. No matter that they got Kawhi and Paul George, it's still a Laker town. And it always will be. I think the, the biggest problem the Chargers are going to have long-term in Los Angeles is the fact that they're always going to be seen as the San Diego Chargers. And these L.A. fans, Absolutely. yeah, the, these L.A. fans, they spent years cheering against those Chargers because many of them were Raiders fans at one point. Or when the Rams went down to play the Chargers, they they cheer for the Rams. So I just don't see how this team ingratiates itself long term unless they become consistent winners. And then it's a whole new ball game. All right, folks, time for a scope. Before we do, just to let you know we are looking for sponsor tanks in the 2019 season. Reach out to us at ramstop1945 at gmail.com. We'll leave a voicemail at 657-665-453. We have a media kit ready to get out to you. And it's, about, it's also been a while since I've asked about this. 
if you happen to like the LA Angels, we have a podcast them as well, Talking Halos. Our numbers there have been outstanding, honestly. A lot of people grabbing onto that podcast. So if you are an Angels fan, check it out. We've talked about Dodgers podcast. I at one point was kind of sort of promising one. We still have that in mind, but right now our plates are full with the season started. So hopefully we can get that done for you at some point. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, talk Rams, and on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Rams Talk. Also, check out our Facebook group, the Rams Talk Room. You'll find our guys in there talking all the time. You can find me on Twitter at DC Paul. Derek C. Paul, it is. And there's Michael Stewart at 1Do23. Don't forget us on iTunes, which is Apple Music Now, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Our Heart Radio, Android, all those places. And IEBeatRow.com plays our shows on Wednesdays and Sundays at, at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. Okay. It is time for us to go. Camp is here, Mike. We're ready to go. This season is just a little bit more than a month away. Preseason games are, what, in a week and a half or something like that? I'm stoked. You stoked? You pumped? Man, I'm so stoked. I think I'm going to have to go shower right now. I'm so stoked. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Get excited here. Get excited. Okay. (laughs) So, with all that said, for Mike and the entire Rams Talk staff, this is Derek C. Paul saying take it easy. We'll be back with you this midweek. See ya. The NBA is back. Where else can you get this type of drama? Where else does history hang from the Raptors? Jalen Brown throws it down. Where else is your own city? Home to your biggest rivals. The battle of LA is real, people. And 30 feet is still in range. Hurry, action. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? Where else is history? Still in the making. Oh, my goodness. Where else? The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com